You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Did hear uh, Pastor Ronald, um, and uh, it's going to be great. So uh, as I say that, would you guys help me welcome, uh, before we do this, um, for those of you that remember, in July, we went to, um, I went to Romania, and this is who I was with, and um, we, I got to see firsthand the ministry that Ronald and his team started, and Ronald and his wife started to reach um, the gypsies in their part of Romania. And some of you don't know this, but the gypsies are the second most persecuted people group after the Jews in the entire world. And, and I'm telling you, it was powerful, it was amazing, and um, I'm so excited to be able to partner. This is who we're raising the money for, uh, the van, um, to help them with their school that they are doing to help educate these kids, and they're literally seeing entire neighborhoods, entire cities starting to change under, uh, with the power of God, so it's amazing, it's amazing. So, um, without any further ado, would you guys help me welcome Pastor Ronald as he comes and shares this morning? Come on up, man. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay, he's uh, not going higher. Good morning. It's good to be here in Houston. <laughs> oh, this is not Houston. I all the time said this is Houston, but you don't have district Houston. No. So this is Port Alfred. What what you say? Yes, that's what I said. Oh, no. <laughs> so thank you, Pastor. Uh, uh, you know, he, he showed me your beautiful area here and those beautiful chemical plants. I saw them all. And, 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 <laughs> and uh, you have crocodiles here, is it? Of alligators? Is there a difference? I, I just... Because somebody said here, it's an alligator, it's not a crocodile. I was thinking it's the same. It's not the same. Alligators and crocodiles are not the same. Ah, okay. <laughs> so that's why he said, well, people do not swim here because the w- water is dirty and you have those thumbs there. And then yesterday we figured out you, he, there are sometimes alligators walking over the streets. As so you would tell me that people do not swim because the water was dirty. They do not swim because there are alligators in the water. That is the reason why I do not swim here in this water. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, I, I have a very good time. A lot of good foods. Americans and foods. Woo! The best steaks in the world you find in America. You love food, is it? I love food. Good food makes me happy. But, uh, so, I have been before in America... Uh, in, in other places, and this is the first time that, that's, that I'm actually in this area, and I'm very excited. We had an awesome time. I want to really thank you also for sending him out. Uh, they came with a whole team there in, uh, with, together with Pastor Kenneth. Uh, so you know Pastor Kenneth also, I figured out actually. And uh, so they built a new house there in one of the most, it used to be one of the most darkest areas where we started work in Apolina. There's still a lot of poverty there, that, but the atmosphere has been, look at here, man, this is a good guy. <laughs> the atmosphere has been completely changed in that whole area. And, and we have seen many, many healings. We have seen hundreds of people coming to Jesus Christ. We really came out of a revival time in the beginning years. It was very hard. The first two years I want to quit. 
And, and because I was really thinking that God had called the wrong guy for, for those beautiful gypsies because we could not reach them. We, we didn't understand the culture. We didn't understand what to do, how to bring them to Christ, but also to live a fruitful life, a changed life. And, and we saw the power of God working. We saw healings like crazy. People coming out of wheelchairs, people with, with heart problems were healed. And, and, and it, was, it was such a beautiful thing to see how God was manifesting himself in his love towards those people. But we saw less fruits. And it was like those blind people who were healed and just one came back to Jesus to thank him of the paralyzed people. You know, people are healed by the power of God and they move on with their lives without to, to stand still by who they were healed. And you can see that in the Bible so well. We were non-stop in this. So people were everywhere healed. And as I went in Apollina, I still know those, those days. Every day we just went from house to house. We were invited everywhere just to pray for the sick. And everywhere we saw healing. But people didn't change. And that was very frustrating for me. And I said, God, this is not responsible. I cannot just keep going and praying for those people. I will stop praying for the people. And, and so we, one day we were again, we were four days there in that neighborhood, just, just to, uh, speaking with people, praying for people, preaching the words. The power of God was there nonstop. And, and, and I, one day I was preaching there again, and, and people were healed. And I was so discouraged. I said, God, I'm going home. I, this is, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to pray for the sick anymore. And, and then the Lord spoke to me. He said, Ronald, you know why I healed them? I say, no, I, say, I don't understand because they don't give you anything back. So I healed them because I love them. I healed them in the first place because I love them. You see, we are always so result-focused and driven. And if you don't see the results as we desire, you know, that's why we have this word friendship evangelism. I hate that word. Because it actually says, well, let's be friends. But our only purpose is to be friends so that they come to Christ. And of course, I understand we want to give them the best. But on the moment people do not come to Christ, we turn our backs to them. And so God is not impressed by people even when they do not follow him. He keeps healing them. He keeps loving them. So one of the most important things what I have learned in my time in Romania working with the gypsies is that God never gives up on any person. Never. I have tried to give up on, on different people. I have even tried to kick. One day I want to kick out a lady out of a church because she heard it and heard it and make a mess in the church. And, and I was so mad and then she hurt my wife. If they, people hurt me, it's no problem. If they hurt my family, nah. It becomes a little bit more difficult. And so I was one day, I was so mad. I said, God, I'm going to kick her out of the church. I'm done with this. And the Lord says, no, you're not. I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to put her out of the church because she makes a mess. And it will never stop. He said, no, you're not. I said, God, but you don't understand. So I tried to argue with God, and God always wins when you argue, actually. And he said, look to her heart. And then God opened my, my eyes the eyes from my heart for her heart. And he showed me what he was look what he was seeing when he was looking at her. And I I I mean I was on the road to the Bible school in Clues and I immediately want to turn my car, go back and hug that lady and tell her how much I loved her. 
But I had to preach still there. So the next day in the morning, I immediately went in that neighborhood. I went to her and I said, listen, you have hurt my wife. You're making a mess everywhere. But I can tell you, I love you. And I love you. I love you so much. And I gave her a big hug. And she started to cry and crying and crying. And then she said, oh, Ronald, forgive me. And I know. And I know that I was doing wrong. He said, you know, I have a little bit hard time to trust you. So trust must grow, but I do love you, and I will not give up on you. And so that lady is now for many, many years a member in our church. So old lady she is now, and, and, and she's doing pretty good, actually. See, we want to give up on people. God never gives up on people. Many times I have said, I give up, and God said, no, you do not. And uh, I, I don't want to speak about it, but it is so important that we look for the poor. This is so important what you do with the shoeboxes. We get every year, a couple of times in the year, two times in the year, we get shoeboxes also for the gypsy children. Those children who are poor, they never get presents. Christmas time, there is no money for presents. And so when they get the shoeboxes, I can tell you out of experience, we have had children, they start to cry. They are so incredibly happy. Even teenagers, they're happy with just some uh, markers, how you call it, those color, colors, color stifts. How you call that stuff? Colors. You color it with those things. There are teenagers. They are happy with that stuff. And here the, the teenagers probably they will only be happy with, with, with uh, an, an, uh, you know, a PlayStation 4 or whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I don't get a PlayStation. But there they are, they are truly happy with the most little things because they don't have anything. So it's amazing that you do this. I, and I really want to encourage you to to keep giving to those uh, uh, projects from these people who bring that to India. It's amazing. Yeah. So, and thank you for, uh, for helping us out also with building houses. We have built now over the, we live 18, 19 years in Romania. I, God called us uh, with my wife and my three children to pioneer a work in Romania. And we went to a place there was no work at all. And we have to build up the whole work from out of scratch, from out of nothing. And God has been faithful to us, and He has blessed us, and He has taught us so many powerful, important lessons. And we have now a full-time team of 29 people, and we have everywhere projects, schools. We have a daycare center for homeless. We have a daycare for ghetto children who are in the daytime. They cannot go anywhere because the parents, they leave, and they're walking around the streets. We have them in our programs we have many projects and many programs. We have Americans working by us, Mexicans, Brazilians. We have a person out of New Zealand. We have German people working by us, English people. And we have, of course, gypsies and Romanians working by us. And they get a salary. Everybody else, like me, I'm not paid by our organization. What we raised, we said we will live by faith. And so that all the money that goes into an organization can go as much as possible to the poor for what we do. And next to that, we have a church. We raise some church, house churches, and, and, and we have a, a training school for ministry. So young people are coming in, young adults. We train them for the work of the ministry. In the morning, we have theoretical lessons. In the afternoon, they go into the practice. We look to the gifts and talents. What is, what is inside of you? What are your giftings? What is your strength? What is your call? And that is what we release them in. And so many of the students who came to us to the school, they are now full-time workers by us, and they have their own projects and their own ministries. Why? Because we invest in the equipping of the, from the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the job of the leaders, is it? We need to equip the church to awaken them 
step into the call what God has upon your life. Amen. So thank you. Thank you so much for all your support. Thank you so much also for the car, for the van. We prayed for two years for a new van. My old van, it falls apart. It's more in the garage than that we drive it. And it costs a lot of money to even maintain it. You know, that, and, and, but you don't have another choice because we don't have money for another fan. So you keep going with that what you have. And you keep praying till God breaks through in that what you need. You never give up on that either. So there are two prayers always what we pray. One most important prayer, what I pray is always, God send me laborers. Jesus said, the harvest is white, but laborers are few. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he might send out laborers in his harvest. So that's the number one prayer, what I always pray. Send me people, Lord, who are going to be workers for you in your kingdom. You're a worker, you know that? You're called. You are called. I hope you have found your calling. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You sing awesome. You have a beautiful voice. What was your name, sweetie? I forget your name. Anna, Anna, you have a very beautiful voice. And I believe also God is going to bring you into a next level. I see the Lord showed me when I was sitting there. I saw your, your whole voice changing and being empowered. It is like, or you get a voice training or whatever, even more. I don't know, I see you you're growing up into maturity in your worship. There is a deepness in your life, what you're going to release through your worship. And, and God is really going to use you. I'm, I'm not sure, but you need to pray over that. But you should pray and ask if God doesn't want to have you to a Bible school, uh, maybe see if an eye of that kind of stuff. Because there is a call from God, I believe, upon your life. Yeah, I just want to share this with you, okay? Okay. So I want to preach with you, or share with you, or talk with you. Or that actually, I'm talking, you are listening, so we cannot say that really we are talking together. Um, you know, I believe God is doing something new. Who believes that? And I have a lot of faith for America because in America, something is changing. I come every year in America. This last year, God has sent me for three times, four times. And I can see there is something is changing in the spiritual climate in America. You believe that? Yeah? God is a God of something new. You know, because by God, never everything is the same. He's not a boring God. We just discussed in the car that I absolutely do not have a boring life with God. I think it's foolishness to say that Christianity is boring. You can have a, a, a boring Christian life or you can have a very excited Christian life. It's just your choice. I mean, if you allow God to move you, you know, if, if you allow God to, to instruct you and to take you into new places and to stretch you in your faith, and oh my goodness, you're going to change. It's impossible to remain the same. By God, there is always a movement. But I say this, God moves with movers and he sits with sitters. A lot of times they're waiting for God till God is going to move and is going to do something, but He will not until we stand up and take in our place. That's how it is. But you know, God has got a fruit also. That in, and we have seen this in, in the work. There are so many opportunities. There is so much work. And, and man, I could step in everything. And I had to learn to step in those things in which God really had called me to go. And, and, and then you will see fruit because what God does because God is God of life and that what He produces, produces new life. If, if you raise a work and it didn't come forth out of the heart of God, it will not produce the life, what you might expect. 
You can work very hard to create life, but finally that very same work will die. So what we have to search for is, God, what is it what you want with my life? What is the direction you want to go in with my life? What is it what you want to do with this church? Father, what is the vision what you have for this coming years in this church? Where is it where we want to be? Is this what we want to have? Is this the standard? God's standard is always higher than your standard. His ways are higher than your ways. So your expectation level, you know, you cannot conform yourself to the things of this world. You also cannot conform yourself to the standards and where you are now. You have to raise the standards. You have to raise your expectation level for and seek and pray, God, there must be more for us because I believe God has brought you here together in this church. Amen. There's something in this church in the past, God brought you together. And there's still a shaking coming, I believe. There is still a purification coming in some areas. I can feel that. And, and, and some, some obstacles are going to be removed. And some breakthrough will come. And I see a new river of living water flowing into this place. There is something new about to come. But we have to see what it is. We have to step into it. We must become excited. If you hear God speaking over your life, if you hear and feel and taste the excitement from God for all what He wants to do, because life with God is excited. You know, that's an excitement. And if He can taste something of that, that, that life, because it's a river of life that shall flow out of your innermost being, so there must come life inside of you. Where is this life coming from? It comes from the Spirit of God. He releases something in our hearts, what needs to be ignited, what needs to be picked up through our spirits, and then our mind needs to be lined out with what the Spirit is doing. And then we step into that. A natural-minded man does not understand the things of the Spirit. It is foolishness to him. He will not understand spiritual matter. It's impossible to release spiritual matter by in natural ways. If you want to see the things from heaven being released on this earth, we must become spiritual-minded. We must become spiritual focused. We cannot be natural-minded people. This church cannot be a natural-minded church. Just sing some professional worship songs. Maybe you raise up your hands. You know, in these last days, the trouble of the last days church will be, there will be a form of godliness. You know, the Christians will have a form of godliness, that's the word. So they will read the Bible. They will do the worship. They will do the prayer. But there is no power. So we can easily fall into a pattern of forms because we become so used. We become so used with what we have, and, and so the excitement goes down. Now we go to the church, and every day we go, every Sunday we go to the church, but there is nothing moving. There's nothing excited in that church anymore, in our lives happening anymore. Church is supposed to be a place where we come alive. You know, you, you come, ATL, you go cold in and you come hot and f in fire and burning for God, you go home. Hello, can I have an amen? I think I'm going to stand and give myself an amen. Amen. Hey, I have been in churches, you come hot in, you come cold out. They were like freezers. You don't want to be in a freezer. I hate cold. You have a cold here, actually. It's, it's cold temperatures here. In the night, it becomes cold here. And then, and then this guy, he's putting his air conditioning on in a car. I mean, I come out of a hot climate, nice warm temperature. I'm coming out of the plane. I, oh, it's chilly here. And he had it warm, and then he's looking at me. 
oh, shall I put the heating out? And he puts the air conditioning on. And I said, why is he doing this? He doesn't like me. He said, I'm freezing here. <laughs> but now he, it's, the car is warm, man. You take care of me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But you, we must refuse to be conformed to those standards, which, which are actually the same as what we have had years back. We must go, we must search, we must desire and expect something new to happen. Because in the Spirit, if you look with spiritual eyes, if you pick up and you pray and you come together and pray, God, what is it what you want to do for my life? God, what is it what you want to do in this group? What is it what you want to do in this church? You can pick up in the Spirit and see subtly and, and take a hold on what God is doing. And once you see it, you have it. Never let it, let it go. But do you see it? Whew, this is good stuff, Ronald. I think this is good stuff. If we decide to see it through revival, and I believe God is doing something, I really believe. But if we decide to see it through revival, we need an activation of a greater part of the church to take in their place. I'm coming out of a revival. I seriously can say this. We have seen hundreds of people coming to Christ over a, over a period of like a couple of years. And we baptized hundreds of people. And then suddenly, and we had those powerful revival meetings, and we had those, those, those meetings in those culture house, and it was packed with people every time. That was intense. We had those, those ghettos, and from those different ghettos, we sent buses, and we brought them in into those gatherings and those meetings. And the power of God was moving. People were healed, and sometimes it was just the presence of Jesus walked in. Just Jesus himself just walked in. And everybody was crying and falling on the ground and just weeping out for him because the presence and the beauty, the purity of the heart of Jesus, it was just there. Other times, there were times of, of deliverance. You know, we have a lot of witchcraft. The gypsies, they do a lot of witchcraft. And, and it goes pretty far. And so sometimes we had just times, God says, this will be a, this will be a meeting room that I'm going to deliver people from demons. And then the power of God came. I just started to rebuke the demons in people's lives. And everywhere people fell on the ground. And they were screaming and screaming. Nobody lay hands upon them. And as they screamed, they fell on the ground. And, then, and I commanded the demons to come out. And then... Whoosh, they came free. They stood up everywhere. They stood, stood up and they were free. Other moments, there was just an anointing for healing. And everywhere we saw people being healed. It was such a beautiful time. And then God said, I want that you stop with these meetings. Well, that must be the devil. God, God, you want that we stop with revival meetings? Are you sure? Are you real? This is what we want. This is what we desired so long time for. This is what we prayed for, revival. And then the Lord said this to me. If you would keep going with this, you're going to lose the people. I want that you're going to start house churches in all those areas where you bring in the people from. They have to come under the words. You have to uh, educate them. You have to teach them. They must now from babies, they must grow up. And if you do not bring them under the words, if you do not build that kind of relation that we come together and come under the word of God and being trained and equipped and being healed in those places, he said, you're going to lose them. 
Do we understand that when revival is about to come, what are we going to do with those people? We must love them. We must have an open heart for them. Because otherwise we are going to lose them. That's, that's a big problem by all those revivalists. Reinhard Bonke himself says it. He said, and he's cooperating a lot with the churches, but he said we are losing like perhaps 90% of all, all the people come to Jesus Christ. We, do, we don't see those things. We see those amazing gatherings that thousands of people are coming to Christ. But we have to do something with them. Our church, our ministry has been built upon a relation because we went into their houses. We started to build a relation with them. And if, there was, would, if we would not have done that, we would have not been where we are now, for sure. So the church must be, be awakened also. The church must be awakened. The church must go out and look around for people who are ready to receive Jesus. Where are the people who are going to them? Where is the church? One day God sends me to the other side of Romania, to Bucharest, to do an evangelization. And we were between those blocks there, those concrete blocks by the, built by the communists. And we had those little platforms. We were not even allowed to go there without the protection of the police. The police had to post a car there. So the first day we didn't tell them, we didn't tell the police that we would be there because we don't want to have a car there. They said, God's, God will protect us. We don't need police here. And so that first day, that you had those, this gang there. They, even they throw the garbage out of the windows there. It's a very dark neighborhood. You had the drug needles everywhere. And, 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 and so you had those gang members there. And as we were preaching the gospel and, 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 and bringing people to Christ, we were praying for people, those young guys, they, they were trying to provoke us, very aggressive, very tense. And so one of the leaders, he came there and he stood in front of me. He said, so show me what your God can do for me. And he had a sickness in, 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 his, in his neck or whatever. I don't know. He had a big problem. He had always pain in his neck. There was something with his colon or whatever. And so he had a lot of pain. And I prayed for him. And he didn't expect God to touch him, to be honest. And so as I laid my hands upon him, it was almost that he was bowing down like this, vertical, like this. And his eyes spurred open. And he was just looking like this. And, and, and so he was so confused, he ran off suddenly from us. And his friends, they are looking to his body because that was the big guy. And, and then they are looking to me and he's looking to his friends. And his friends were standing there a little bit farther. And he was completely confused, not knowing what happened with him. And so then his friends came to us and we could minister the gospel to them and could pray for them. And then later the guy came back and he was instantly healed. He gave testimony. So as we did an altar call, people came in front, and there was one lady. And the Lord showed me as I stood in front of that lady, suddenly I had a vision, an open vision, that I saw her husband running away. And this lady, she was alone with five children. And the Lord says, I said, listen, your husband ran away from you, is it? Yes, he said. Yeah, I said, you are alone now with, with, with your children, and there is no one who is helping you. And she started to cry, and then the Lord spoke to me, and he said, she has been in the Orthodox Church, and she cried out to me, and she was thinking that I didn't hear her. So she left the church, and she said by herself, even God has forsaken me. No money, no, no help to feed her children. And she was so desperate that she was on the point to suicide. So I told her, I said, now you want a suicide because you have... You taught by yourself, also God has forsaken me. 
And she cried and cried and cried. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, tell her, she is the reason that you are here. And so God says this to me. The reason that I came from the other side of the country to preach the gospel is because of you. God have heard your prayers. He said, can I pray for you? And, and so I prayed over her. And all the heaviness and all the darkness just left from her. And her all, all eyes, they changed. Her eyes became open. Sometimes you look people into the eyes, you see that sometimes, and it's just emptiness what you see. It's just darkness when you look into people's eyes. Just empty. No life, no joy, no love. And her whole eyes were filled with the beautiful love of Jesus. Her whole appearance changed. And he said, listen, you never have to make worries for anything. God will take care for you. And she was so encouraged. And after I left, I cried. And I said, but God, why I had to come from the other side of the country? Where was the church? Bucharest has a lot of churches. Where was the church? You know, there are right now everywhere people, even in the church, and they're crying out. Is there somebody who sees me? Is there somebody who hears me? They're lonely, they're empty, they don't know where to go with their lives. But Jesus sees them. But Jesus needs people. He needs his church to go to those people, to go to that, to see, and to, to just to be a representative of who he is. We are not bringing ourselves. I'm not bringing myself to Romania. That was God who brought me there by the gypsies. And we are just representatives you know, just translating the heart of the Father, translating the heart of Jesus, translating the heart of the Holy Spirit, the power. You know, number one, number one reason that God sent me to, to Romania to work among the gypsies is because he loved them. And after two years, there were four pastors. Actually, I was the fourth pastor. Three pastors were there. After two years, I want to quit. I was so tired. We had tried everything. We took people in our house. They stole from us. They robbed us. They came against my children. They hurt my children. My, my boy was beaten up. I was beaten up by, by five people. And so we were so tired. And I, I still remember I stepped in my car and I drive to my home. And I started to cry in the car and I said, God, why you have called me? I'm really, I'm not the right person. You don't understand. You see that I, can, I don't even know how to reach them, Lord. And then the, the first thing what the Lord said, he didn't came to me to comfort me. And he said, oh, Jaromot, it's so hard. You know, life, go home. I will bless you with a beautiful car and, and a beautiful house and give you an amazing job and and, and we let those people, let, let fire and brimstone come upon them. He, he didn't say that. Nothing like this. No mercy for me. 
for my tears. The first one he said, it's true. There's almost an audible voice. He said, if you give up, I don't have someone else. There were three passes before me. They all quit between two years because of the pressure in that area, because of the darkness. They could not hold it. They could not keep going anymore. And I was about to be the, first, the fourth person. And then the Lord spoke to me, Ronald, I haven't required a lot from you, but you told me that your life was mine. You want to have it back now? You said to me, here I am, Lord. We can pray that easily, is it? Here I am, Lord. But God takes it serious. He takes that kind of prayers serious. So you want to take your life back now? You know, I could have taken it back and I would still go to heaven, no question. But he had to seek for someone else who was willing to go, who was willing to lay down his life, to leave parents' houses, land, everything what he loves, to lay down his life. For nobody can be my disciple who is not willing. That's discipleship. And I believe the whole church is called into discipleship, to be honest. And then the Lord teached me, he said, you know, the only thing what I have asked of you is to love them. That's it. Well, God, if that is it, I can love them, it's no problem. But then I'm not going to change them. You see, and then the weeks after the Lord showed me, he said, you come with your Dutch mentality and you are thinking that you are the one who can carry the fruits, that you are the one who is responsible for the fruits. He said, but the fruit is not coming forth from you. It comes forth out of me. Fruit comes by those who are staying connected with the tree. You are the branch. I'm the tree of life. If the branches are staying connected with the tree, they will carry much fruit. So fruit is always a result of obedience. And so my pressure was I had to be, you know, I had to show in Holland... They were supporting me. What I was doing with my life is it? You're a minister. You're a missionary. They're supporting you. So, so what are you doing? Show me. So I'm focused on the results. Rather, I was more focused on the results than I was focused on the people. I said, you're so result-driven, Ronald, that you forget to see the people. And then I, the Lord teached me to let go, to trust Him for the results. I said, God, then it is your own responsibility if these people are not going to change. I will love them. That's what you say. I will do. There's no problem with me. But that was the best choice ever. Because I unconditionally started to love those people. Even when they didn't change, I kept loving them, kept accepting them kept pouring in, kept praying for them. That was the time that everything started to change in our ministry. Now we start to see fruits. Another day the Lord spoke to me because it was hard. It was not easy. I started to cry. And, you know, it was hard for me when my kids were attacked. I didn't understand. But why my children have to suffer, Lord? And the Lord spoke this to me. I cried and I said, and the Lord said this, it's, there is no any tear what you will cry because of your serve, because 
because of the fact that you serve me. There's not any tear what you will let go for my name's sake, or I'm not going to use it and turn it into a blessing for someone else. I will take your sacrifices. I will take your pain, and it will never be in vain. Whatever price you have to pay it or not, don't think that I don't see. Don't think that I'm not going to use this. I'm going to use it, and I am going to turn it into a blessing. Do not give up. And then years later, I'm standing there in front of my beautiful gypsies because I truly love my gypsies. And I'm watching them. And there is a family who's changed. And, and he was an alcoholic. And, and that whole family collapsed. And the children were rebellious and were going down. And there you had a family who was changed. And there was a, a man who was healed. And there was a person healed. And there were children who came to Christ. And, and he had now a an, an family who was alive and full of love for the Lord. And I'm observing my people. And then suddenly, those whispering, those, that voice of the Holy Spirit. Said, you see, look at them. And I started to cry. They would not have been here or not if you would not have been willing to pay the sacrifices. You think it was it worth the price what you had to pay for those people? And I'm going, yes, Lord, of course, of course, it wasn't worth. It was nothing, the sacrifice I had to pay. It was nothing, Lord. It was just a little bit. Suddenly, it's nothing anymore, you know. When you're in it, it's always bigger than it is. <laughs> if you go for him. You pay sacrifice for him because you are just doing what he asks you to do. Keep trusting. Keep, keep standing up the, on the promises because the change is about to come. But you cannot quit. You cannot slow down. You cannot stop praying. You must confront. You must have conflicts. Ooh, that's not a nice <laughs> word what I say there. We don't love conflicts, is it? You know, where you have a bunch of people together, you have always problems. Maybe not in this church. This is only, this church doesn't have problems, you know. You're, all, you're almost like Jesus alike, probably, every person here. Look to your name, wow, and say, wow. And say, just wow. wow, wow, you look like Jesus. I can see something of the image of God inside of you. You must be like the Lord himself almost. Wow. So in this church, no problems, because here we love each other with perfect love. But in my place, it is not always like that. It's not always that perfect love manifested. And so we have confrontations, we have conflicts, we have difficulties. And then my team is coming to me, the people are coming to me, and then there's a fight, and then there's little things going on, and here is something going on, and there is something going on. And he said, oh, we have a conflict. You know what I always say? Awesome. That's awesome. You have a fight? Wow, that's awesome. That's good. You see, no change without confrontation. In any confrontation, you have a choice. Any confrontation you're going through, you have a choice how you deal with it. You see, and what I always say is, 
the, the people always want to talk about the confrontation itself. They want to actually talk about who's right and who's wrong. I hardly want to. You let them do the story, but I'm not interested in who's right or wrong because that doesn't matter. There's always something, somebody right and somebody wrong, and then the other one is right and then the other one is wrong. What matters is how do you deal? You see, which person has learned already the lesson that when he has done right, can deal mature with those who have done wrong. You see, that is the lesson. So confrontations lead you to interchange. God wants to change. He wants to soften your heart. There is no change without confrontation. That's what I believe. We have to come from darkness. I have given you power to trample on snakes and scorpions and against the whole army of the devil. Nothing will harm you. I have given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That was actually my original preaching. I'm going a little bit off, but I believe I have to share this. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. You know what says the word? What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? The pastor have probably teached you about it. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid or bind on earth will be forbidden or bound in heaven. And whatever you permit or release on this earth will be permitted or released in heaven. So with other words, you see the words that God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He first rescued me from the dominion of darkness. So with other words, I didn't have to live any day longer in any area of my life under the dominion of the devil. Well, is that a reality for me? The Lord says, I have delivered you. So, with other words, I should be free. But am I free? I still have conflicts. I still face all those things. And that's why the Bible says, you know, that God had given the keys, the authority, you know, in which He has brought everything under obedience. He gave that keys to Christ. What Christ did, he gave the keys of authority to the church. Because the keys of the kingdom of heaven are keys of authority. To exercise authority. And so it says the word, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid or bind on earth will be forbidden or bound in heaven. And whatever you permit on this earth will be permitted in heaven. So then the Lord showed me. I had every time, every year, I had a fever. In a sort of a time of the year, I always had fever. Every year. So, and, and so, and I expected already to have fever again. By my family in my home in Holland, they get those injections against fever. They were anyway sick after it. didn't matter. So why you take those injections against fever? They were still sick. So I had all the time that fever. I said, God, why do I always have fever one time in a year? He said, because you permit it. So it is not in my will, says the Lord, but what you permit on this earth will be permitted in heaven. So in other words, heaven cannot interfere. I have given you the keys. So without that we realize we permit things to happen in our lives, what we should not permit any longer. And we are waiting for God till God is going to change something, is it? 
why nothing changes. And we said, God, where are you? Why you don't change it? And God says, well, I wait on you because I have given you the keys. So I started to confess. When the Lord showed me this, I started to confess. And I said, I rebuke that spirit of, of a fever in my life. No fever anymore. I have not have had fever since then. It's like 13 years back, 14 years back. Never I had fever anymore. We expect like it is almost normal to become sick. A lot of people think everybody around us is sick, so it's normal that I'm sick. I'm not, I do not expect it. And, and if I get sickness coming to me, I refuse to accept it. I rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus. This is how we live, how I walk in Romania and Regan. You know, my police, he was very corrupt. God had called me into the city named Regan. And that police there, the whole police system was corrupt. And they were just standing all the time, every day on the streets, writing down tickets so they can get money. Even the mayor was involved in it. And so all the money went into their own pockets. And I was so done with these people. So I started to pray. I said, Lord, this is my city. I don't demand God. Yeah? I, don't, I demand to be released what God has already given to me. So I started to proclaim, I refuse to accept this corruption any day longer in this city. Every day. And I said, God or this police is going to repent and it's going to stop. If they do not repent, bring it in the light, let them be caught and put them in prison. I prayed every day. I was so mad against that corruption. This is my city. God has called me in that city. To rule, to have dominion. The Lord says to the Israelites, you have walked around this mountain long enough. Now take your stuff together and walk into the promised land I have given you. The giving was God's part. The possessing was their part. It was their land. God had given them the land, but they had to possess it. So I start to rebuke the police. You know what happened today? So there came an investigation against the police in Regen. A secret investigation. And a police officer who is a Christian who comes sometimes in the church, he told us, he said, don't talk about it. It comes a bit. Uh, and they, they asked him if he would be involved, but he didn't want because some of his friends were involved. And he said, I need to stay out of this because there are personal friends of mine. And he knew they are going to be caught. So he didn't say anything. He came to us. He said, keep praying. Because it is running an investigation. They don't know. The whole police, literally every police, were put in prison. We have now in a city... No corrupt police anymore. Do you understand that you have authority to rule this land? This is your land. This is your country. There are happening things in this country, and the church is allowing it to happen because they do not stand up. Everything what you permit on this earth will be permitted in heaven, even when it is not in the will of heaven. You understand what I say? I have countless examples. You know that they stole always from me? I, I mean, it's crazy how much stuff has been stolen from me. 
And, and I was always thinking like, you know, I was not a nice guy before I was a Christian. I broke in in houses. Not in houses. I was a good man, good, good thief. I broke in companies. So that was okay. That makes me a good man. And I stole a lot of stuff, even in stores. So I was always thinking, like, when they stole from me, you see, now you can feel, now you can feel how it is when people steal something from you. But I became tired of it because it was ridiculous. They have stolen a whole building from me. Two, two stores, eight apartments, what was to be for the, for the ministry. A pastor actually stole it. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm done. Why they steal all the time from me? And then the Lord showed me, and he said, because you permit it. So you have a mindset. You think by yourself, because you were like this. Now, it's legally they can do to you what you have done to them. But I have forgiven you. You're cleansed. Your past doesn't exist for you anymore. Why do you think like this? So I changed I want to close it. Maybe we can have a music guy. I changed my way of thinking and started to rebuke those who were stealing. I said, God, they will stop stealing from me. And if they steal, they are going to be caught and it will come into the lights. And I even started to confess it in the church. You know what happened? One day I came back from the church. I just had preached about this, that we have to stand up. And then the police came to my house. He said, I, we catch some guys. They stole some stuff out of your garden. And so I stopped them because they were suspicious. They behaved suspicious. So I stopped them, and then they said, and so I asked them, from who is that stuff that you have carried there? He said, that's from us. And this one guy, he had a big mouth to me. So he said, I beat him in his face. So the police beats the people by us very easy. He said, I beat him in the face, he told me. And then he said, now you tell me the truth. And they were, this guy started, yeah, I stole it from the Dutchies who are living there. And so they brought it to, back to me. And other day, there was somebody breaking in my house. They stole a chainsaw. They, he sold it. And the guy who bought it actually from him came to my house. He said, I bought this chainsaw for a good price, but I know it's yours. The guy was placed, he was 24 years, had to go to the, to the, to the lawyer, up to, to, to the judge. And, and Pauline signed for the whole stuff, so she had to go also to the judge. And the judge wanted to put him seven years in prison for stealing a chainsaw. And then Pauline goes, oh, is that really? That's a lot, long time. Can we not change this? He asked the judge. Maybe we can drop it. He said, you want to drop it now? We are here now in front of the... <laughs> he said, yeah, but it's, he's a young man. And give him a second chance. <laughs> and so Pauline started to plead for this guy, actually. So at the end, the judge looked to Pauline and said, what do you want? He said, shall I put him a year or two years in prison then? He said, or shall I let him go? And Pauline says, please let him go. And said, okay, I'll let you go. Time after time, because we stood up for that what was ours, given by God, things started to change. Your promises works the same. If God has given you a personal promise, you must stand, on, stand up on that promise. You know, I walked one day, I had to be operated on my heart. I had a, 
I don't, I don't believe in, I don't know, well, uh, let me say, I'm thanking for, I thank God for doctors and all kind of stuff, but I don't do doctors. I don't do medicines either. I think it's poison. And so they rushed me into intensive care because a part of my heart was dying. And as I was in intensive care, laying there on this, this bands and full with wires everywhere, I'm looking around and I'm seeing all those old boring people laying there on those stretches because the hospital, you don't have your own room in Romania. I mean, you live there, you lay there in one big room like with like, like 20 people or something. And I observe those people, they say, I understand that those people are here. They look sick. <laughs> you know, but I don't belong here. Then they want to let me not even go to the toilet. I had to go to the toilet. And they didn't let me go to the toilet. And they came with this metal thing. He said, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do my stuff in a metal thing on a bed while either end is looking. He said, I don't get anything out anyway. So the doctor, he left with that thing. And said, I really need to go to the toilet, Lord. So I, I beeped that guy to come back. So this doctor is coming back again. said, Ronald, it's too dangerous to go to the, to the toilet. Say, is the toilet so dirty by you guys? I walked by myself here to this, to this hospital. So I can also walk to a toilet. And again, he was mad. He walked away. Again, I mailed him, or I beeped him finally. I said, listen, I'm not going to do my stuff on a metal thing. I, I or you're going to take out the wires out of me, and I walk to the toilet myself, or you do it. So that's the first time I had to sign for, to go to a toilet. <laughs> they were tired of me. Finally, I walked out of the hospital, and he said, they diagnosed me, I did all the tests, and they said, you need to be operated. Some days I walked out of the hospital. I said, I'm not going to be operated. I had an inner conviction. I should not go in that road. My whole family came against me. My wife was mad at me as sitting in a car. She didn't even want to take me a water. Well, you can, you can walk out of the hospital. You can also take yourself a water by the gas station. And, and her family called me. My family called me. Pastors called me. You're too spiritual, Ronald. It's crazy what you are doing. God has given doctors. Yeah. Amen. He said, but I don't belong there. Nobody belongs there, they said. They had a sign when I walked out of the hospital. I had a sign on my own risk. He said, you're not going to make it, says the doctor. And so I had a deal with God. He said, God, there is one thing. Or you're going to take me in heaven. It's far away the best. Or you're going to heal me because you need laborers and I'm a laborer. But I'm not going to be operated. Two weeks later, God healed me. My heartbeat was below 40. I, while I walked to the hospital, my heart was below 40. And only very professional sportsmen with big hearts. I have a big heart. Maybe that's why. Only pe professional sport people with, with, you know, who are in rest, actually, they can have a heartbeat from 40. 40 beats a minute. I was below 40. And after they had prayed for me, I saw my, my, my heartbeat. Every day it went higher. It went higher. It went from 40, then 45. Next day, 50. Next day, 52. Next, next day, and at the end of the week, I had a perfect heartbeat in rest from 60 beats the minute. It's perfect. God completely healed me. Sometimes you need to follow the inner conviction of your heart, that what God says into your heart. And you have to face the confrontations. You have to face the people who are coming against you. You have to face the resistance to, in order to receive your miracle. 
Anything that comes from heaven down to it, any promises what you're waiting for today. There are people here, you're waiting for a promise today, I know. Any promise what comes down from heaven goes through a path from resistance before it is going to be released on this earth. And you must stand firm. Keep standing in faith. Keep confessing. Keep holding on to all what God has told you. Never, ever let it go. In the face of difficult circumstances, you keep holding on to it. You keep praying into it. You keep interceding over it and confessing. Let's stand. You want to have a shift spiritual in this area? God says, I have given you authority in which you have to learn to walk. There are people here, they need to hear this message, I know. God wants to bring a change in your life, even in your house, in your families. You know, before I was a Christian, I had a praying mom. And, my, and, and the more my mother prayed, the, the bigger the battle around my life. But you know what? You, the devil loses. There is nothing as strong as a praying mother. When your, mom, when your mom is going to pray for you, you're not a Christian, you're in trouble. I was in big trouble because my mom kept praying for me. And finally, I gave my life to Christ. And this is what she said. He said, Lord, if Ronald comes to Christ, and she begged so many times, she cried out to the Lord, please save him. He said, if you save my son, you can have him. You can send him to the other side of the world. Do with him what you want, but you must save him. Thank God for a praying mother. Hey! Ha-ha! Woo! Maybe you're a praying mama. Hey! Never quit. Keep confessing. Keep speaking. Keep speaking the promises what God has given you. Keep confessing it over. Because the Lord is going to give you instructions even more. He's going to speak to you in the sleep and you're going to write down the promises. God is going to open your spiritual eyes. He's going to open your spiritual ears. And you're going to see things more clear for the things what is about to come. Hey! Hey! Thank you, Jesus. Ah, God is good. Amen. Let's close our eyes. And, and just stretch your hands one moment. I, I, I just want to pray for you. Then I give it back to the pastor and then Andy. And then at, at the end from when Pastor Andy is, I don't know what he's going to do maybe. But, but and if you need prayer after it, you can come in front. I want to pray over you. And, and so I want to pray over you right now also when you have to leave maybe. Oh, Jesus, you're here. You are here. <laughs> oh, I can feel your presence. Always go after his presence. I'm thirsty and hungry for his presence. I'm hours just worshiping him and searching him. I say, Jesus, I must see your face. I want you, Lord. You're the life giver. I don't want to be in a dead, dead Christian religion. My religion is alive. It is not that. Because you are alive. 
And I'm done. And I'm tired to play games. I'm tired to play church. I'm tired just to play Christianity. I want to have a walk with you, Jesus. I want to have a talk with you, Jesus. I want to be vibrant and alive. I want your glory. I want your presence. I want your anointing. Touch me. Change me. Love me. There is nothing in this world. I love my wife, but she cannot satisfy me whatsoever. She will never be able to give me that deepest Deepest satisfaction in the deep places of my heart that I feel truly alive. My wife cannot give that to me. So you need to stop looking into things where there is no life. Don't expect that you will be happy, that you will be fulfilled if you can control your situation. Oh, when this is going to change, or when that is going to change, or yeah, God, then I will be happy, then I will be fulfilled. And God, if you give me that house, or if you give me that car, or if I don't have debts anymore, then only I can be happy. You're first happy. You're first entering into the joy of the Lord. And then your circumstances are going to change. He is the source of true life. He's the way, the true, and the life. Don't seek on the internet for porno because it makes you more empty. You think maybe you can satisfy yourself in sexual lust, but it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. It's going to eat you even more. Don't think you can find it in drugs. You know, if you are empty, then admit you're empty. When I'm empty, I admit to God, God, I am empty. And I'm tempted to fill myself up with, with movies and with a lot of coffee, maybe. I love coffee. But we want to we fill ourselves up with things what will not fill you up, what will not change you. And so we have to come as we are and say, Lord, I'm empty. Lord, I need you. I, and you do not give up till He comes. You do not give up till you are satisfied with Him and fulfilled with Him. You keep pressing in. You keep knocking on that door. All who is thirsty, says the words, must come. But are you thirsty for Him? He's alive. And He loves you. But He's looking for hearts who only want Him. He wants to have your whole heart. Jesus, I thank you, have spoken in different matters, in different areas to different people. And I ask you, Father, those specific words, what God has spoken to you right now. You know, the devil tries to come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he wants to take away that word of life from you. When you feel God has spoken to me this morning, then you must write that down. What is it what God has spoken to you this morning? Write it down and don't let it go. Don't go to another meeting. Just this was another good service or something like this. And let's wait for the next one. God moves when you move. God moves with movers and he sits with sitters. And you can wait upon him, nothing will change. Because he waits on you. Till you come into action, till you are going to come to him. 